good day. My name is Dennis Curtis, and this is the Clean Soul Podcast. Today's podcast is titled Three in Unity. I want to talk about the Trinity today. That's going to be the only point I'm going to bring up. My last podcast was uh, about Jesus being God. And we found out through the scriptures that Jesus is God. God became a man. But we kept running into that Jesus and God were one. Jesus and the Father were one. And Jesus and the Spirit were one. In fact, the Spirit of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. So in essence, they are one, but there's three personalities really brought out in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, God begins telling the Israelites as they're going into Egypt that there's only one God, Yahweh, and we are to worship only him. But let's go back to Genesis real quick. In the beginning, God created And this word God is translated from the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim is a plural word. So we see that the earth was formless and void. And then we have the spirit of God was over the uh, surface of the earth. And the father began to speak or Elohim began to speak. God began to speak. And Jesus is the word of God. So we have Elohim three in one right there in the beginning. But when God was taking the Israelites out of Egypt, he was telling them that there's only one God. He didn't explain to them at that time that it is the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. He just said there is one God, Yahweh. He makes it very clear to them. And the reason he does this is one thing that I believe is that because there was a plurality of gods that the people would worship in almost every pagan generation or culture, we have the plurality of deities. In uh, the Hindu religion, there's hundreds of different deities. In many different cultures, there's many different deities. People would worship uh, the earth, the sun, the moon. They would worship wealth. They would worship uh, sexuality. They would do all kinds of different worship. And God was telling the Israelites, that they came out of Egypt, worship only me. Because I, not only is he worthy, but he was able to give them everything they needed. You see, we were created in the image of God so that we could have a relationship with God. And in that image that he has placed inside of us, he placed inside of us a desire and a need to know him. And only him can fill that emptiness inside of us. Demons and devils and and the worship of things will try to fill the emptiness inside of us, but nothing will fill that emptiness. So let's go to Deuteronomy 6, 4, and we're going to read a couple of scriptures here concerning the oneness of God. Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So God is to be the center of our life. And uh, here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one can be translated, God is one Lord. Or it can be translated, the Lord is one. Or it can be translated, the Lord 
alone. So God is saying to them here, only me. Don't go after these other gods, because these other gods we're going to see are simply demons, and it's a false worship. It's an empty worship. It's something simply to draw us away from the Father. Deuteronomy eleven sixteen. Be careful, or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods, other gods, plural, and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land that the Lord is giving you. So it's a very important concept here. We are to worship the one God, because if we do not worship him, the enemy will come in, and the enemy has only here to kill steal, and destroy. But if we follow and obey God, then the kingdom of God will come and provide everything that we need. In Matthew 6, 33, the Lord tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. So as the pagans would pray and worship different deities for different things, Jesus told us, and God the Father is telling us here and to the Israelites at that time, that he is the one who will bring everything that we need, peace in our heart, food for our table, uh, healing for our bodies, and so on and so forth. God is trying to convince the Israelites. Let's keep going. Deuteronomy 5, 34 through 35. Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord God is the only God beside him. There is no other. So let me read that verse 35 uh, again. You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God, and beside him there is no other. God is trying to tell them, I am the only God, there is no other God, and God is a jealous God too. He's not going to put up with us worshiping other demons, giving his glory to a, a fallen angel or a demon. Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 10, right out of the Ten Commandments, right up front, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. And you shall have no other gods before me. Before me um, is really not a good translation. You shall have no other gods above me, no other gods below me, no other gods beside me, no other gods, period. That's really what he's saying. And you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. In the sense, his jealousy is righteous. He doesn't want us to be uh, hurt and deceived and he doesn't want his glory and his honor to go to some false god or one of his enemies, demons or, or fallen angels. Deuteronomy 32, 16 and 17. Here it is. 
They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. They sacrificed to demons which are not God, gods they have not known, gods that recently appeared, gods your ancestors did not fear. God is a jealous God. He doesn't want us to worship these foreign gods or these these made-up gods and put up idols. Idols are a thing that people bow down to. I remember I was in Japan with my kids, and there was this uh, really nice place where this water came out, and they had a PVC pipe there, and it brought the water. It was very clean, tasted very sweet. Uh, it was up in the hills, and there would be people. We would go up there and get water, and we'd go fishing up there in that lake, but we would get water. And um, there would be other people who would come and get water there. And when they got that water, there was a little idol next to it. And they would put like like 10 or 15 cents in this little place uh, for money. And then they would bow down to that idol as they backed away, thanking that idol or the earth for the water. That is idolatry. And that is what God doesn't want us to do. He wants us to understand he's the one who made the mountains. He's the one who made the rain. He's the one who made this water come down for us sweet and clean. And he wants the proper respect for that, the proper worship. So we're not to bow down to detestable idols and worship demons. It's also in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, 18 through 20. Consider the people of Israel, Paul is talking. Do not those who eat the sacrifices uh, participate in the altar? Do I mean that the food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to participate with demons. So it's pretty clear when we bow down to a false god, to an idol, when we bow down to anything else, then we are bowing down to demons and God doesn't want us to participate with him. Remember, Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy. If we bow down to them, then we're going to enter into that place of destruction. So God wants us to bow to him, the one and only God, who is three in one, the Father, the Son, God becomes a man, and the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, it's Ruach, Hakodesh, and that means the holy breath of God. So Jesus is God. We learned that in the last podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. And then I think we all understand that God the Father, the Almighty Creator, is God. He is God. And then we have the Holy Spirit, a separate person, but He is God too. I'll just read one scripture uh, for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is God also. Acts 5, 3 and 4. Then Peter said to Ananias, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold? Wasn't the money at your disposal? What? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is living in us. Jesus prayed to the Father that he would send another comforter 
to us. And when he talks about this, another advocate, he's talking about one like me. Jesus is saying, Father, send one just like me to the people. And that's what he did. He sent one, the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, living inside of us. We are a temple of the living God through the Spirit living inside of us. So there's so many scriptures and and so many ways to explain the Trinity, especially in the New Testament. Matthew 3, 16 and 17. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here that talk about where all three persons of God were at the same place at the same time. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And the voice from heaven came, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So there we have all three in one. Jesus, of course, being baptized. He comes up. The heavens are opened and the Holy Spirit comes down upon him. And after that, he begins a miraculous ministry uh, that carries on until he's dead and then he's raised from the dead. So the Spirit comes upon him and then the Father speaks to everyone there. This is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased with him. Listen, I want to take just a quick sidetrack. If we are in Christ and we are serving God, we are one with Christ. What a wonderful thing. And as we exhibit Jesus Christ and live for him, God is well pleased with us because Christ is in us. That's a wonderful thought. Luke 1.35 Mary has just been told by an angel that she will conceive, even though she's never had intimacy with a man. So she's asking a question, how is this going to be? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. We have the Spirit will come upon her. The Most High will overshadow her and then she will give Uh, She will conceive the Son of God, God who has become a man. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. So many scriptures and and so much to say about this. Uh, And I want you to understand that God is one in essence, but three individual uh, persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. So many places in the Bible where Jesus says that he is in the Father, that he is the Father, and the Father is in him. And everything he did was an exact representation of God Almighty. So I talked a lot about that in the last podcast, but I want to push forward here just a little bit. In John 14, 16 and 17, Jesus is speaking to the Father. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. And you, and he will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. In this advocate, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. In the Greek, they are one, the advocate one, the Son and the Spirit. The Bible also tells us that the Spirit of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. 
Let me go to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 and 2. Peter's speaking to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the providences of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. So it is a bit of a mystery. I remember as a young man, you know, I didn't understand, you know, what is the Trinity? Well, it is a spiritual mystery, but it is something that we kind of get a grasp of here. God is one, and he doesn't want us to serve other gods. He doesn't want us to bow down to demons, to worship the earth. I have a friend that he prays to the earth, and he prays to the sky, the sun, and the moon. This is idolatry. He's not praying to God. The earth is not receiving his prayers, neither is the sun or the moon. I'm thinking also of the Japanese uh, emperor was the son of the sun, S-U-N. He was the son of, you know, the a planet, the sun. And that's not what God wants from us. He wants us to worship him. He doesn't want us to worship these demons and, and participate in that because that is only going to bring us grief and trouble and confusion. God is one in essence. We pray to the Father. We worship the Father in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how God has set it up for us. This is the Clean Soul Podcast. And I'm Dennis Curtis. This podcast uh, can be listened to, obviously, I don't know if you're on YouTube or on a podcast provider, but it's audio and I also have videos. If you search on YouTube, The Clean Soul Biblical Teaching, and then select it, you might have to go down a little bit, then select on my picture there, you'll go to all of my video casts. Thanks for listening. Subscribe if this is helping you. God bless you.